Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame. I'm Keith Collins, and it is a blessing to know that you are listening to this podcast this week. I pray that it will encourage you, that it will challenge you, that it will stir you, and that you'll be changed more into the image of Christ by listening to this today. You know, whenever we open this podcast, one of the things that that I said is that my, my prayer is really that we would have an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. And I know different weeks, um, we have different venues, um, different settings. Sometimes it's me preaching, sometimes I'm interviewing someone, and then sometimes I'm doing what I'm doing this week and really just sharing my heart regarding what the Lord is is speaking to me and how the Lord is dealing with me. So this is one of those weeks that um, that I'm really just stirred. Um, last week we talked a lot about what it means to have a biblical worldview, and I have been preaching on that, teaching on that some over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, this week as I continue to process those things, realizing how important it is for us to understand where we are in history, the... Um, the dynamics that are dictated by the condition of our world and the loss of a biblical worldview in so much of our culture, it, it, it really brings me down to one primary point, and that is this. It is imperative upon the people of God to be a people of prayer. Now listen, I, I'm all for being um, an apologist and not everyone is going to be a trained apologist, but I believe every one of us should have a working um, ability regarding the Word of God and why we believe what we believe, kind of like what Peter said, that you know we should be able to give a man or give everyone an answer for the hope that's within us. So, so that's important. I believe that. But at the same time, I also realize that we are in a situation in our country, in history, in the world, that we are in desperate need of God's intervention. So this week, I want to focus on something that I've talked about before, on certain levels as I've been doing this podcast over the last few months, but I felt, especially since we're only two weeks out from a major election in America and early voting has already started in many states. Um, I've actually voted myself here in North Carolina, but I really want to talk about the role of the church when it comes to prayer and how that our influence, and by our influence I mean allowing ourselves to be used by God, we become influential because we become conduits of His eternal purposes 
in the generation that we live in. So there's this, this famous scripture that, that many of us know and we can quote, and it comes from the book of James and the fifth chapter and verse 16. And the last part of that verse says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then it says in verse 17 that Elijah was a man with nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So when I look at that, that narrative, and I've, I've read this so many times and have even taught him on this subject many, many times, but when I look at this, um, it kind of really grabs me again this week in a supernatural way. And it brings me to the realization that really, folks, the only real hope that we have is God's intervention in America right now. Um, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the election. I know there's different voices, different prophetic individuals that are prophesying or giving words of the fact that, you know, maybe Donald Trump's going to win again. I'm not taking away from that. Um, but at the same time, I realize that the role that we have as the body of Christ is to be a people of prayer first and foremost. So this, this week, I want to just kind of unpack what that really means for you and me as believers and how that we can be effective in what God has called us to do. So James declares that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or, of course, woman avails much than that I believe we need to hear from God in this hour, even over these next two weeks. I believe the role of the church is so important. It is so vital. It is so pivotal. And sometimes I think it's easy for us to get kind of consumed in the the activity of a political season, even in the church, to where we become more attuned to polls and political parties and candidates, and we focus more on those things than we do on prayer. So um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to come this week and really challenge all of us, including myself. And let me just open with a few quotes today. John Bunyan, who is the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said this, When thou prayest, Rather let thy heart be without words than thy words without a heart. And here he's talking about the earnestness of prayer. And, you know, I've taught on prayer and intercession for years in a college setting. And, you know, one thing that I, I've pointed out is that there are different types of prayer that we see in the Word of God. But when I hear Bunyan here, he's talking about this fervent, this fervent type of prayer that I believe gets the attention of God, and um, I'm convinced that we need that type of prayer today. F.F. Bosworth said this, If we undertake to pray for a thing, then we ought to either follow it up until we get the answer or withdraw the petition. You know, when I first got saved, when I was first born again in 1985, um, I wasn't really... Um, a person of prayer at all. Matter of fact, before I was saved, you know, my experience as far as church and religion w was very minimal. You know, I'd had some religion due to my father's involvement in the Roman Catholic Church, and my mother was raised Southern Baptist. So, you know, I had some experience in both of those backgrounds, but I really didn't understand prayer. And, um, and this became real to me whenever I began to get introduced to people 
that had walked with God for seasons. And, and one of the people that stands out to me was my, my mother-in-law. Her name was Arliss Merle, and she was a minister, but really more than a minister, she was a prayer warrior. And I remember she would talk about what it meant to pray through, and I really didn't understand what that meant. When I listened to Bosworth here, he says again, if we undertake to pray for a thing, then we ought to either follow it up until we get the answer or withdraw the petition. What Bosworth is talking about here is what the old timers would call praying through. And I remember my, my mother-in-law, they would have all-night prayer meetings. I've heard the history of this. And they would be praying about a specific thing that God would burden their hearts for. And maybe way into the hours of the night, maybe 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, they would get a breakthrough in prayer. And they would say that they had prayed through. Now, what would happen after that is that they would see the results of their prayer um, in the life of an individual, in, the, in a certain situation that they were burdened for. And it was this powerful thing that, that they walked in. And, and I'm convinced that this is a foreign practice in much of the church. Now listen, I'm familiar with ministry in many parts of the world. I'm, I'm blessed to travel in places like Africa, South America, India, different parts of Asia, the Philippines, um, Mexico, Colombia, um, Europe. But oftentimes um, when I go to those places... I am actually blessed and overwhelmed because I actually find people, especially in some of these remote rural areas of the world, it seems like that's where I come across these people that are so dependent upon prayer that they give way more effort and energy to their prayer life and to their prayer time than they do to their public ministry life and their ability to to perform or to to produce, so to speak, in the eyes of man. And, you know, I'm, again, I'm convinced that this is the great need of so much of the church, especially here in the United States of America. If America needs anything in this hour, it's people that know how to pray. So let me just give you a few more quotes, and then I want to share some some scripture with you today. John Wesley said this, I have so much to do that I spend several hours in prayer before I am even able to do it. Now, we see the reverse of that. You know, we get sometimes so busy in ministry. I mean, I know in my own life, you know, I've pastored churches. I've um, directed and been the president of a Bible college. I, I know what it is like to travel and to write articles and to write a book and writing another book now. And if I'm not careful, I can get very busy to where it can crowd out my prayer life. But I believe John Wesley understood the principle when he said, listen, because I have so much to do, I have to spend more time in prayer so that it can be done effective. So this is a, a great picture of what it means to be a person of prayer. Um, Andrew Murray said, faith in a prayer hearing God will make a prayer loving Christian. Now this is challenging to hear, but I want to say this. I believe that a major percentage of the church does not really believe in the power of prayer. Now, they wouldn't say that, and theologically, intellectually, philosophically, whatever, they, they embrace that prayer is real. They would tell you, yes, I believe biblically that prayer works. However, by their lifestyle, they deny their confession or they deny what they say they believe because I believe if we really believe that prayer can change a nation, that, that prayer can 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 bring about a great move of God that that prayer can change 
impossible circumstances and settings. If we really believe that, then we would be so much more committed to a life of prayer. So here are these, these, these men of God as they, they share their hearts in this important subject. One more, Oswald Chambers, um, he's the guy that has the famous um, devotion, my utmost for his calling. But Oswald Chambers said this, We lean to our own understanding, or we bank on service and do away with prayer. And consequently, by succeeding in the external, we fail in the eternal, because in the eternal we succeed only by prevailing prayer. You talked about hitting the nail on the head. Um, you know, we have seen the, the formation and the promotion of production-based ministry for several years now. And in the midst of all that we have learned to do and all of our accomplishments and all of our ability to produce ministry and so forth and so on, I'm sad to say that, that we've come to a place that we have usurped that above the power and the necessity of prayer. So this week, I pray that you hear my heart as I believe the Lord is really wanting to, to challenge us and to stir us. And, you know, we have to realize the primary need for America, and not just America, but the nations of the world and the church, is for individuals who really know how to prevail in intercessory prayer. When I think of the great men and women of God that have influenced my life, they weren't the greatest preachers. Maybe they didn't have miracle signs and wonders that were obvious in their ministry and in their lives, but those that have impacted me the deepest, whose character has been rock solid, whose marriages and ministries were above reproach, who, who kept their hearts pure, were the people that I know their, their lives were categorized by prayer. So listen, this is the, the great need of the church. And, and here's what I want to say. Um, we know this is real, but it's almost like we're always looking for an alternative plan. And I have ideas why that's the case. I believe a lot of it is because prayer is not an easy thing. It's a glorious thing. When you really live a life of prayer, you begin to experience um, the glory of God, even the tangible presence of God at times. And kind of like where Paul talks about in Romans um, 8 and 26, um, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't even know what to pray for as we ought. And I'm paraphrasing this, but he said the Spirit um, himself literally prays or intercedes for us with groanings. And Paul said that these groanings are, are so deep that sometimes you can't even put words to these groanings. And then he says, and the same Holy Spirit searches hearts and he knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will or according to the will of God. So, so, so Paul is talking about uh, a dimension of prayer that, that many people have never experienced before, this deep place of prayer. And you see, it's sometimes challenging to get into that realm of prayer because our lives are so cluttered and so crowded and so carnal, if I can use that word. And, um, you know, we are so addicted to entertainment and we're so addicted even to good ministry and big ministry and um, emotionalism within the context of ministry and corporate meetings. And we're into the, you know, the latest prophetic person or, or maybe someone that gives personal prophetic words. We follow them around because we want to hear from God when we're not willing 
to get in the secret place and hear from God ourselves and become effective tools in the house of God. So I would say this, and again, this is challenging, but it's so real. The greatest hindrance to prayer, the greatest hindrance to being used of God is selfishness. In other words, prayer requires the cross. Prayer requires death to self. Prayer requires Galatians 2.20, as Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but now it's Christ that lives in, lives in me and the life I live I live by faith in the son of God you, you know the scripture there I'm sure but but there has to be this death to self in order for this resurrection of prayer to take place in our lives and and I hear and I feel the heart of God in this area and um you know I was with a group I shared this a few weeks ago in Washington, D.C., a few weeks ago, and the um, the whole premise or the whole purpose for the gathering was really repentance and prayer, and I was, I was encouraged, but I have to be honest, I've been to a lot of these gatherings over the years, and I think they definitely have purpose, and God can and does use them in certain ways, but, but to be honest with you, I think many people go to that, that type of a gathering, and they, they leave that type of a gathering and it kind of begins and ends there. There's a great revival that took place in the 1800s, I think just prior to the Civil War. And um, it was a revival in New York City. And a businessman, and his last name was Lamb Fear, um, he started this prayer meeting. It was just him at first, and he would pray during a lunch hour. And before you knew it, many, many people were coming and and eventually, I think hundreds of people were showing up, maybe even more, every day to pray, to seek the face of God. This, this sparked um, a great prayer revival that was really um, powerful and supernatural. And when I read of the history of, of these types of, of movements, when I, I read of the, the prayer lives of men and women like John Hyde and some of these individuals that literally gave themselves to prayer, when I hear the history of John Wesley and the place that he prayed literally on the wood floor in his home, there are grooves where his knees were in on the floor so often because his prayer life was so deliberate. It was so intent. It was so supernatural. It wasn't just, okay, I'm going to pray 10 hours today so that God will approve of me. No, it's dying to self to where it's not about you trying to be more holy or prove to God that, that you're going to be faithful. No, it's becoming an intercessory tool in the hand of God to where God can allow His eternal purposes to flow through you. Now, one of the things that has always kind of blown my mind, you know, Paul said God's ways are past finding out. I mean, I can give you chapter and verse, and I can even give you good theology for this, but still, it's beyond me because it's so deep and so profound. But one of the things that has always amazed me is that that there are things that God will not do except the people of God pray. He's transcendent. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. We know all these words that we can um, use to categorize or to characterize God. I'm sorry. Um, however, he limits himself, and, and I'm hesitant to say that because God's never limited, but in a sense, there is this willing limitation to prayer that God allows himself to be involved in to where, again, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yes, God is the one that acts. However, the, the call is for you and me to seek him. If you seek me, you will find me.
In other words, there is this deeper place of knowing God in prayer. And when we enter into that that realm of intimate divine union with God, we lose ourselves and the Holy Spirit begins to take over our lives. And, and as a result, history's changed. Lives are changed. Cities, states, nations, continents are changed by the glory of God. I was, last week I was visiting a friend up in Moravian Falls in North Carolina for a day and just being up there in that region, knowing that the Moravian missionaries were there and their, their purpose was to evangelize and to, to reach even the Native Americans, but also knowing the history of the Moravians who had a 100-year, 24-hour-a-day prayer meeting that you know, Ludwig von Zinzendorf, Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf, um, was the leader of this movement. But this great missionary movement that touched the world of that day was really birthed because somebody prayed. Somebody was faithful to seek the face of God. I was in Scotland a couple years ago and was blessed to visit the island of Lewis where um, the Hebrides revival in 1949 really broke out there. And God used a man by the name of Duncan Campbell as an evangelist type figure. But, you know, we, we read of Duncan Campbell, but oftentimes we don't know the history sometimes of these great moves of God. And, and by the way, the 1949 revival is not the only revival on the Hebrides Islands. There's a history of revivals. There's kind of like in Wales. Wales is known as the land of revivals, not just the 1904 revival where Evan Roberts was a figure. But these regions of the world have these deep reservoirs, these deep wells of, of prayer. And when I was in Barvis, where this revival really broke out and God used this this little church and this man named Duncan Campbell to really reach the entire island, so to speak, and even beyond. Um, you know, I was actually taken to some sites. One site was the home of two elderly women who were praying back in the 1940s for God to send revival. And, and they were actually, you know, somewhat disabled and were not really able to get out of their houses too often, it sounds like. And, um, but... These two sisters with the last name Smith, they would give themselves to prayer. And they were praying for God to send revival, for God to, to brood over their island again. And at the same time, there were some other young people in a barn on another part of the island that were praying weekly as well. And there's there's something that that happens whenever people come into this place of God's heartbeat and they literally it's almost like this divine vacuum sucks them into the eternal purposes of God because they're willing to go there and and I believe that's the key there has to be this this hunger and this willingness to live beyond ourselves to to not live lives that are just contingent upon this present age that we live in, not to be sucked into the, um, the vacuum of political fervor and fever, but to be willing to go into the secret place of God, even in America over these next couple of weeks and beyond that, because our nation needs revival. Our, I'm sorry, the church needs revival. The nation needs awakening. We need a move of God that is birthed through people who are willing to live in the secret place and seek the face of God there. 
even to the point of tears to where we literally can feel the heart of God and we can know even as Jeremiah knew in Jeremiah chapter 4, 19 and 21. Um, he says, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart. My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. How do you get to a place where this prophet of God was? You see, I believe that that, that this deep place of feeling what God feels and seeing what God sees is the, the primary need for the church in this hour. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We don't need more polished professional preachers. We don't need more fancy teachings and and you know creative books um, that might even have good meaning. And again, I'm not against books or not against preaching, but please hear me. The need is prayer. The challenge is to go there and to stay there. The need is intercession. The challenge is to set things aside, even ministry activity, to set these things aside so that God can use us effectively in this hour of history. Our nation, I believe, is teetering over hell today. Our nation has, um, in many respects, turned its back on God. We have murdered millions of innocent babies in the mother's womb, in their mother's wombs. We have um, not just permitted and legalized, but we have celebrated perversion, in areas like same-sex marriage, we have come to a place where there are entire schools of thought that completely disband the truth of the Word of God, the, the truth of Scripture, the, the foundations, of even the law of, of, of America founded on the Decalogue or founded on, on the Ten Commandments and the Word of God. We've, we've come to this place in society, and listen, activity is not going to do it. The eternal depths of prayer and intercession are the places that, that God can and will move through His people. So he, he asked us, I believe today, even as you're listening, maybe you're in a car, maybe you're walking, jogging, maybe you're at your home, wherever you're at, but you're listening to this today. You might be someone who works a job, owns a business, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're a leader. It doesn't really matter what your role is. Here's what matters. Are you willing to give up yourself in order to gain Christ in prayer? Are you willing to push some things aside and say, Lord, I, I want to be an effective tool of prayer and intercession in my generation. I want to know that I understand that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person really does avail much. I, I want to know that the weapons, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, not preaching we need preaching. We need teaching. Again, don't misunderstand me. But the effective power that God has given us, my friend, comes through these deep places of prayer where the portal of heaven, I believe, is, is opened over an individual's life. Gordon Lindsay said this, Determined prayer by faithful prayer warriors can make possible the successful gospel invasion of the foreign fields. The reason we have seen the history of missions, whether it be Hudson Taylor, 
whether it be David Livingston, whether it be Amy Carmichael, some of these great, great missionaries who gave their lives for the gospel. My friend, I don't believe they just decided one day to be noble, good, missionary, Christian-type people. I believe that they met God in prayer. They saw the darkness of souls of humanity, of the souls of humanity. They were gripped with the burden of God. And through prayer, the kingdom of heaven was birthed in their hearts. And they were motivated through this intimate place of intercession to take the gospel to dark parts of the world. You see, we need that type of prayer movement again. We need those type of people that, that again, will come to that place to where the thing that matters most to them is, God, I want to be used for your glory in my generation. I might never be on a platform. I might never write a book. I might never be on a radio show, on a TV program. I might never be on in Charisma Magazine. Listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.